1: So good. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship him. Hallelujah. Don't stop now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Good to see everybody today. Amen. You may be seated. You awake now? As most of you know, we are excited to be doing something new this year. We're participating and celebrating Back to Church Sunday in just one week from now. uh, Next Sunday, September 15th, as part of a national movement. Uh, It's a great opportunity for us to join with other parts of the body of Christ across our country and, uh, you know, really reflect on and reclaim the true nature of the church, amen, as a place of love and peace and hope. And uh, not only for us, but for our friends and our neighbors and uh, our community. And so uh, I want to encourage you, this is the last week, to invite friends to come back with you, uh, to come to church with you next Sunday, September 15th. Uh, they might be unchurched. They might be people that are connected to Life Church some way. Maybe they've already visited with us before. Uh, maybe they're even members that you haven't seen in a while. Uh, the theme for that day is together. We want to get our Fall started off right. Back to church, Amen. Now I plan to do a three-week series starting last week, uh, but if you were here last Sunday, man, what a powerful service we had last week, Amen. What a mighty move of God. So this instead is going to be a two-week mini-series. I don't even know if you can call it a series with two weeks. <laughs> Entitled "Together," and uh, we've had a nice long summer. Uh, stretches unofficially from Memorial Day in May, which kind of kicks off the summer to the last uh, to last weekend, which was Labor Day, which kind of unofficially ends summer and begins fall. Now, people who know me know I love September. Now if you're wondering why I love September so much, uh, I was born in September. That's a pretty good reason. 49 years ago, yesterday, I was born in September that whole 53 stuff just ignore that that was embellishment amen i was born in september i was married in september next sunday's my anniversary today is my daughter's anniversary her 1 year anniversary my grandson was born in september amen fall starts in september and today da, 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 da. amen football so i mean what's not to love about september right so but it's good to see everybody today. A lot of you have been away with family and friends. So as fall begins, we want you, we want all of us to get back in the habit of coming to church. And it might as well be life church. Amen. Can all the life church folks say amen? So as I kick off this series, my message today is together we are family. Now I wish Sister Sledge was here right now for everybody over 40. They could lead us and we are family as a worship song today, but then I reconsidered. Or did I? I want you to stand with me. I want you to walk around and greet one another. Go ahead. I want you to say hi. We're going to have a little fun today. Amen. Go ahead. Stand up. Greet your neighbors. Tell them it's good to see them in church or you're part of the family of God. Amen. Tell somebody it's good to see them. Amen, amen. Thank you, thank you. You may be seated. We're family, amen. Now, as I think about family, as I think about togetherness and what it means for us as followers of Jesus, uh, go ahead, usher, start handing out the things in the bags. Uh, what else could represent togetherness better than? Legos, right? Um, This popular childhood toy. Now, I also thought about Lincoln Logs, but to be honest, that's probably just because I loved Lincoln Logs when I was a kid. Are there any other Lincoln Log fans in the house? But truthfully, it probably doesn't illustrate the concept of togetherness as much as Legos, Those little small plastic bricks. Matter of fact, our ushers are handing some around. I want everybody to take a Lego in your hand. I want you to keep that. You can put it in your pocket, put it in your purse. You can throw it away, but just don't tell me you threw it away. But what really could capture the concept as much as these little bricks? Those small plastic bricks with the raised circles and who could imagine that these little pieces of plastic are now worth billions of dollars, literally, a fortune. You could turn the monitor down a little bit. I don't know what's going on today. This Danish toy company that began in the 1930s has built a Lego empire around those little building bricks that you hold in your hand, and they introduced those in the 1950s. Now, individually, we understand that Legos really are just cheap pieces of plastic, right? Right? And I might add, Legos are also the cause of great pain to any poor soul who has had the unfortunate misfortune of stepping on one of those things in the middle of the night, amen? You want a true test of your Holy Ghost power? Step on some Legos barefooted, amen? We are going to find out what is in the abundance of your heart real quick because it's going to come out of your mouth when you step on a Lego, amen? Amen. But despite just the the simple and extremely basic design, the magic in a Lego is how easily they fit together. Legos are designed to be put together, and that's what those little raised circles are for, to attach brick to brick, and together... These little plastic pieces can be made into fantastic creations. Now, I'm lucky if I can just keep them all straight and make a nice little square or, or you know, some semblance of a of a skyscraper. But there's full-scale models of castles and cars and airplanes and spaceships that have, have all been built from Legos. Now, I've never been to a Legoland theme park, but they say that they're scaled replicas of the world's most famous buildings uh, and landmarks in a Legoland park. Anybody ever been to a Legoland? Is that true? You know, it's pretty amazing what they can do. It seems that Legos can be put together to create just about anything. Now remember, they're just pieces of plastic, but when you put together, put them together, they create something much bigger. And they create something that is better than just the sum of their individual parts. And you really, the church is a lot like Legos. Think about it. We're just a collection of individuals, of various sizes and shapes and colors. Uh, if you step on one of us, you may be inflicted with pain. Amen. Uh, we're just all these things. We're we're a sum, though a greater, uh, we're a sum of greater than just our individual parts when you put us together. Individually, we're not much to look at. We might even look like just a big jumble at a glance. But when we come together the way that God intended for us to come together, we form the church, amen? The body of Christ is a creation and a living body that, is much greater than the individual members. God takes our individual chaos, and and by His design, He makes something spectacular and gives us purpose when we come together as a family of believers. Now, hopefully they'll have all those handed out before I'm done with my sermon. Amen? So you can understand what I'm talking about. Because, see, Legos are fun to play with, but in real life and with real people, the concept of togetherness and connection, it's powerful. It's life-changing. Jesus invites us to be together with Him and also together with one another. Because, hear me, living life together really is all about relationships. And for that reason, all of our relationships matter. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, your schoolmates, and other believers in the body of Christ. Matter of fact, the Bible describes the church beautifully in 1 Corinthians, when Paul compared the body of Christ to the human body. So let's go to our text. This is your Bible verses for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And it says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body, notice, it's not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Don't miss that. There should be no division in the body, everybody treated equally. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Verse 27 Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Man, there's so much we could uh, just unpack in that one passage. Think about this. The success or failure of your life and my life is largely determined by the tools and the resources that we use in our day-to-day living. For example, let let me say it this way. You wouldn't try to fly across the Atlantic Ocean in a hang glider, would you? Not if you were smart. Because you know you're not going to make it very far. You wouldn't try to play golf with a baseball bat. Why? You've got the wrong tools in your hands. You wouldn't try to fight a forest fire with a water pistol. You've got to use the right tools in life to succeed. Now, fortunately, God has certain resources that he's provided for you and for me in order for us to make it in life. And one of the greatest resources that God has given to us as believers is our spiritual family, the church. Thank you. The church. The church is critically important in your life and in my life. And I think if we are are honest and we're acknowledging it, there's kind of a force that's coming against Christianity as a whole that's saying the church is really not all that important anymore. I want you to know you need the church, you need the body of Christ to survive and to thrive in this generation. Amen. If you are a believer, your spiritual family is incredibly important and significant to your development personally and spiritually. God has put people around you, and you need those supportive relationships if you're going to make it in life. For example, God put Adam in the Garden of Eden. It was a perfect environment, but he looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, I've said this before, but I don't want you to miss this. Adam wasn't alone. He had God. But guess what God said? It's not enough. God looked at Adam and said, hey, Adam, you and I are tight, but guess what? I recognize it's not good for you to be alone. They spoke daily. He was in his presence daily. and and But Adam needed other relationships. Amen? So what did God do? He sent him a woman. That's the Greek word that means, whoa, man. Adam took one look. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Human relationships, though, it's what God said we need. I want you to let that sink in. You and I were created to need more than just Jesus. We were created to need more than just Jesus. You and I were made to live in relationship with other people. And I'm not just talking about a married relationship, I'm talking about friends, I'm talking about mentors, I'm talking about co-workers, I'm talking about people in your life that can lift you up and help take you where you and I need to go. When we were born physically, we joined the human family, we joined the human race, but when you're born spiritually, born again, you join God's family, amen. Uh, people ask me, people used to ask me, when I haven't had anybody ask me this in a long time, but but when we, uh, oh, this is driving me nuts up here. Some, I don't know what's going on. So if it's those mics, somebody turn them off. If it's those mics and they're off they need to be turned on, please help me in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord. Whew, it's my birthday, God. Please <laughs> fix this
1: thing.
0: Amen. <laughs> but see, when you join the, the human race, you were part of the human race, but when you joined the church, when you were born into the kingdom of God, God gave you a family. What I was getting ready to say, people used to walk down there and they'd say, "Why do you have pictures up of people in the hallways?" I said, "Well, it's real simple. this is God's house. And so what do you see when you go in somebody's house? You see pictures of the family, right? So when you walk into life church and you walk down those hallways, guess what you're looking at? family. Portraits, amen. Pictures of the family. Thank the Lord for our family. But you know what's amazing? Look at the human body. It's an amazing creation. I read some amazing statistics about the, the average human body. And this is what your body does in just a 24-hour period. The heart beats 103, 689 times. Pumping blood 168 million miles through your body. A person takes approximately 23,040 breaths and inhales roughly 438 cubic feet of air in 24 hours. We will consume an estimated 3.25 pounds of food and 2.9 quarts of liquid. During a 24-hour period, your eye will blink roughly 20,000 times. Your body will use 750 muscles for, uh, for movement. All of this happens because more than 14 million chemical reactions are happening in your brain, which results in thousands of messages being sent to your body at speeds that approach 300 miles per hour. Truly. When the psalmist said in Psalm 139 and 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. The human body is fantastic. Its functions are amazing. Its abilities uh, are, are unprecedented. Guess what? So is the body of Christ. Amen. The operation of God's supernatural power through us and in the church for redemption and for revival and for renewal is awesome. I'm here to tell you, you still need the family of God in your life. I still need it. God's presence in the body of Christ is what gives witness to his power, to believers, and to our world. His body is a family. And, folks, I want you to know this family can make a difference in this generation. Amen. See, because you don't just join the body, you're born into the body. Amen? Now, you can join a church, but you're born into the body of Christ when you experience a supernatural rebirth. It places you in the body. And the church focuses on so many things. It is so many things. It does so many things. But the main focus of the church must always be on souls coming to Jesus Christ. Amen? So let me quickly ask. As, uh, in these next few minutes, I want to talk to you about some things relative to our spiritual family. Just a few points. Number one, my spiritual family is connected through Christ. Colossians 118. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have preeminence. Now this this point, I know it sounds very obvious, but I need to say it anyway. We are connected through Jesus Christ. We need to remember what brings us together as a body, amen? I think too many churches, we're focusing on all kinds of things. We're focusing on programs and music, or we're focusing on a dynamic preacher, or we're focusing on some dynamic element or some fancy building. We got to remember that if we were on the uh, meeting in the woods, or meeting in a desert, or meeting on a beach, it doesn't matter. What makes us the church is Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible described Jesus in Ephesians 5.23 as the head of the church. Described him in Colossians 2.10 as the head of all principality and power. In Ephesians 1.22 called him the head over all things. Each of the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke quote from the Old Testament prophecy of Psalm 118 and 22 that the Messiah would become the head of the corner. Peter referred to it as well. And although the religious establishment of Jesus, they rejected Him as the Messiah. We have been learning in our summer series in the book of Acts that He still initiated the body of Christ when the church was born in the book of Acts. It's all about Jesus. God's prophetic word about His church has not failed because He continues to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, increasing His body worldwide. And remember this, just as Noah built one ship to escape the flood, I'm going to tell you, there is one church, one united body that's going to save us from the coming judgment upon our world. Don't forget that the only ones who escaped the judgment of God during the flood was those who entered the ark. Amen? Likewise, we must enter the body of Christ through our connection through Jesus Christ in order to be saved. The Bible emphatically declares the concept of one body, together, the church. Jesus will return for His church, and it's important that we be ready to go in the rapture by being a part of the one true living body of Christ. Amen? Our spiritual family, we're together because we're connected through Christ, and we've got to embrace His purpose. The church's purpose is to please God and nothing pleases the Lord more than for us to, uh, to reach people and to evangelize the lost. Amen? We are ambassadors for Christ. So therefore we should proclaim the word of God and minister to others helping bring unbelievers to God. Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three, notice, are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. See, a family doesn't have to be big to be a family. Where two or three are gathered in my name, amen, I'm there in the midst of them. Together in His name. It doesn't matter our socioeconomic standing. It doesn't matter your race, your education, your gender, your age, your ethnic origin. Amen. It doesn't matter. The church must be unified as one body of believers. Amen. See, my spiritual family is together because we're connected through Jesus Christ. The next point I want to make about our spiritual family is we are together, yet we are diverse. We're diverse. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28 says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Eight centuries before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Joel prophesied that God's spirit outpouring would reflect his body, his church, when he said, All flesh. Not just white flesh, not just black flesh, not just brown flesh. Come on, somebody. All flesh. I need a little help in here today, amen. Can you help a brother on his birthday? See, that's the scope of the revival that God has in mind. And that's what his family is supposed to reflect all flesh. The ripple effect of that initial outpouring was to spread throughout the world as Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles received the new birth experience. And the Scripture states that God so loved the world. And the promise of the Spirit is to all flesh. And for that reason, there ought to be diversity in my spiritual family, the body of Christ. Now, I've preached about this all summer in the book of Acts, and if you weren't here, you, need, you can listen to the, uh, the messages online about how Peter had to overcome his racial and his religious bias in order to advance the kingdom of God. And folks, I want you to know, that is something that the church must continually do. We've got to do the same thing. We ought to be leading the way, Amen. Come on, I'm going to tell you right now. You want to know how racism should be healed in our country by looking at the church? By looking at the church. Did you know it's really sad, and I'm glad it's starting to change, but did you know that the most segregated hour in America used to be 11 o'clock on Sundays? Black churches, white churches, brown churches. Why is that so? That's not God's plan. Come on, somebody. That's not God's plan. We're to come together as all flesh red, yellow, black, white. Come on, the old Sunday school song said, We are all precious in His sight. I'm glad that Life Church is a diverse church, but I want us to be a more diverse church. Amen. We are black, we are white, we are Hispanic, we are young, we are old, we are poor, we are middle class, and by faith, I pray some of you can become wealthy. Amen. Come on, does anybody else want, does somebody want that mantle, amen? (laughs) Come on, hallelujah. We are Democrats, we are Republicans, we are independents, amen. We're not to be divided on political lines or racial lines. Come on, somebody. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We come from a variety of religious backgrounds. Some of you have no religious background. We are from various cultures. Some of you are from other states or countries. Some of you have lived in Virginia all of your life. We are new believers. We are old-time saints, all rolled into one. We are the body of Christ, together yet diverse. We are the body of Christ, and it ought to be that if you don't like one of us, you don't like any of us. Amen? Amen. The body of Christ must not only be diverse in the people who form it or in our spiritual giftings, but also in our levels of spiritual maturity. Amen. Let me say that. There ought to be diversity in our levels of discipleship in this church as well because there ought to be people at all spiritual levels. Have you ever been to a nursing home, anybody? Probably most of us have. Now, there are sweet people there, but you know what? Nursing homes are depressing to me when I go there. Why? There's no babies there. (laughs) There's no children. There's no new life. Only seasoned, mature people, many of them in the twilight of life. And I spent a lot of time in a nursing home the last uh, year of my dad's life. Nursing homes are depressing to me. But now let me flip the coin. Has anybody ever been to a daycare center? Now, those places don't depress me, but I can't stay there too long either because I'm going to lose my mind, amen? (laughs) And anybody that knows me knows I love children, amen? But all of those babies and all of those screaming children, the only adults are the workers, and most of them are probably on Xanax just to keep from losing it, amen? That's a joke, by the way, for all you real serious people. But, but, But you see... Those are two extremes, right? The nursing home and the daycare center. But let me tell you about the body of Christ. We need to have mature believers and baby Christians. We ought to have seasoned saints and struggling sinners in the body of Christ. Amen? Come on. We need to be a nursing home and a nursery all at the same time. Amen? Amen. And we need to not look down on people that are maybe not in the same spiritual place that you are. Amen. Can I tell you, you know what, we, we, oh, I feel like I just, come on. We don't need to be spiritually proud and haughty because we think we're better or wiser or more spiritual than a new believer. Or can I just say it, maybe an old believer that's been struggling their entire life. You know, there's some people, I'll be honest, the best thing that could happen for some folks would be if they came up here and prayed through and got on fire for God, and then the Lord just took them home right then. I'm like, yes, take them now, Jesus, because I don't know if they're going to make it for 24 more hours. Amen. Diversity. No matter how diverse we are, eventually, every Christian, though. Now, let me qualify what I just said about the nursery. Every Christian needs to begin growing into spiritual maturity. Don't just write yourself an easy pass. You know, oh, I'm just going to slide by and see how close I can stay to the world, but my whole Christian walk. No, no, no. You never arrive, by the way. If you ever think, hey, I finally got there, guess what? You better run back to the altar because the devil done told you a big old lie. Because our spiritual walk is a journey. It's not an arrival point. It's not a death. The only destination will be when we go by way of the grave or way of the rapture and we finally make it to heaven. Amen. But until one of those two things happen, you're still a work in progress. Look at your neighbor and say, you're definitely a work in progress. (laughs) See, diversity means we're different. But we're all working toward the same direction to become Christ like. Can I just tell you if I, if I was telling you there's really only two things that the church is here for to create disciples and to reach the lost? That's it. We should either be reaching lost people and then once they get found, they need to become disciples. Why? So they can reach lost people. Get found. Find somebody that's lost, they get found. They find somebody that's lost, they get found. Come on, somebody, amen. It's really not complicated. All this other stuff we do is just to try to help that process along. So, how do we grow at Life Church? I talked about this at the beginning of the year, but let me remind you we gather, we connect we serve we do that at life church by gathering on weekends to worship and hear the word that's what you're doing right now. We also grow by connecting in small groups of other believers so that we can grow and learn and minister to one another amen as a matter of fact our small group semester is starting this week you can sign up in the lobby you can ask somebody about a group I pray I'm just going to I want everybody that calls life church home you need to be in a small group. I say that unapologetically, amen. If I'm your pastor, let me be your pastor. You need to be in a small group because you need the body of Christ. You need to connect. You need to grow. And then thirdly, by serving on dream teams that minister in our church and minister in our community. Gather, connect, serve. Gather, connect, serve. Learn it live it, love it, it's the vision of life church so we can grow together as a family and become disciples of Jesus Christ. The author of the book of Hebrews pointed out the need for spiritual maturity, not just spiritual entry into the kingdom. When he said in Hebrews 5 and 12 through 14, he said, "For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again What's that scripture saying? Instead of always continuing to consume a steady diet of spiritual milk, a maturing believer needs to eventually have meat. Amen. That's why I don't believe in vegetarians. Hallelujah. That's my verse right there, amen. That's my excuse to eat beef and chicken and pork the rest of my life. Amen. Anybody else getting hungry? Yeah, okay. I'm going to try to hurry up. Amen. Anybody ready for milk? I mean meat and not milk. But hear me, guys, instead of being babies, we've got to continue to grow. That's why you need the body of Christ. That's why everybody needs a family. Amen. Remember what I said, it's not just enough for spiritual entry. There's got to be spiritual growth. I was so excited when Mason was born two years ago. But guess what? It wasn't enough just for him to be born into the human race. He needed a family that would help him grow and become what he needed to be. And he didn't just need mama. He needed mama. He needed daddy. He needed Aunt Alexis. He needed Paul. He needs Life Church. You know what else he needs? He needs the ladies that are serving right now in the nursery. Guess what? That's where he is. And we're all the same way. As spiritual believers, we need each other. And then my last point I want to say, my spiritual family is together with Purpose. Everybody say purpose. Jesus sent his disciples out to minister several times, directing them to perform amazing acts, to preach powerful truth. And I want to remind you here today, amen, I'm giving you meat and not milk. We have a purpose. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you have a purpose, and your purpose is bigger than just you getting to heaven. Matthew 10 and verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and... Cast out demons. Are you ready? Here is your six-word job description if you're a believer. You ready? Read it with me. Freely you have received, freely give. That's your job description. That's my job description. Freely I have received, so freely I give. Following the Lord's promise of power to believers to be witnesses to the world in Acts chapter 1, guess what he did? He poured out his spirit in Acts chapter 2 he said i'm going to make you witnesses it was an empowerment and guess what it was it wasn't just to make them feel good it wasn't just so they could have a holy ghost goosebump it was an empowerment of purpose so they could reach jews and samaritans and gentiles now fast forward to today the body of christ is ready to reap a great harvest we have and hear me look at the advantages we have over the church in the book of acts we got better buildings we got greater resources. We are sitting in, air condi- in an air conditioned room with quality sound on a padded chair. Nobody's throwing rocks at us. Nobody's threatening to burn down our house. Come on. Amen. Where's Pastor Isaac at? Pastor Isaac, stand up. I just want everybody, everybody look back in the corner. I want you to see who Pastor Isaac is. Now, guess what? And Pastor Isaac will be the first one to tell you, we're sitting in this luxurious room. And two months ago he came to me, about two months ago, and the churches that he pastors there, he showed me some pictures. A bad storm had hit, and it had completely knocked down and destroyed one of the churches. And I thought, man, that must have been a bad storm. And then he showed me pictures of what the church looked like before and what it looked like after. Guess what their church was? And I say this with all the respect that I have. It was just a great big lean-to. There were posts, and there was a metal roof, and there were some chairs. And I can't even remember if there was a concrete pad or a dirt floor. I can't remember. And the windstorm had knocked it all down. And he said, Pastor, they have no place to worship now. And they needed the lean-to because of the hot sun. And he said, is there anything that we can do to help? I'm happy to tell you. I haven't even told you all yet. You know why I love Life Church? Guess what we did? We, I gave him a check from the church, and we rebuilt that building for them. Amen. We, I'm, let, me, let me be clear. We didn't rebuild it. We put, supplied the supplies for them to rebuild their building. And you know, they were so happy. And a matter of fact, when he gives me the pictures, I'm going to show you some pictures. They were so happy to have their lean-to. Guess what? Our pavilion would have looked like the Taj Mahal. And here we are. Better buildings, better resources. Most of you drove to church in a car today. We're so blessed. And yet, can we can we be honest and say, yet we do so little? We do so little. We think we're doing good when we drop the check in the little brown envelope and stick it in the blue velvet bag. And we've done our part. No, 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 no. Your greatest thing you can do is tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. That's our purpose. We've got all these things. We can travel the world in hours instead of weeks and months like it used to take them. The body of Christ is now, we're, we're so blessed. We're, we're laying aside our prejudices and our attitudes and the things that hinder God's truth. God is abundantly blessing His church and, and any church that takes that posture. And He will continue to add to His body in astounding numbers around the world if we stay focused on our purpose. We've got so many distractions. We've got to be intentional about not getting too distracted from our main purpose. Many churches are doing so many things that they're losing sight of their purpose and their focus. That's why we've simplified it to terms we can understand. Gather, connect, serve. Gather on weekends, connect in groups, serve in ministry. Gather on weekends, connect in groups, serve in ministry. Amen. We're not asking you to come to 100 events. We're not asking you to do it. We're cutting out stuff left and right that doesn't fall in the guidelines of God's purpose. Because the focus of the church has got to always be souls. See, the Lord is still calling all of His believers. He says, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. You know what else He said in 2 Peter 3 and 9? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, it's not about us doing the harvesting. It's about us working in the field. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. So then neither who plant, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Paul said that the planting and the watering are one, the work of the body of Christ. But God is the one that gives the increase. We are the spiritual family. What are we giving him to create increase from? I want to tell you something here. You're not here by accident. And I don't just mean here as in Life Church 8378. I mean, you are not here. God didn't put you on earth just to take up space, just to get a job, just to make money and retire and die. Amen. He didn't put you on earth just to use up resources. He wants us to focus on a life mission, on a purpose. And part of that mission is the Great Commission. It means you're to share with other people the good news of Jesus Christ. See, life is not what it is intended to be unless I've used my life for doing the work assignment that God has given me. Remember we talked about all the different roles of the body, and He's given all of us different assignments. There's no greater accomplishment in life than to introduce somebody to Jesus. Amen? Can you imagine with me, just a minute, just imagine in your mind, getting to heaven, and somebody comes up and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I'm here because of you. Thank you. Can you imagine that maybe somebody of a different culture or a different nationality or a different language group, they walk up and they tap you on the shoulder and they say, hey, thank you, I'm here because of you. And you're like, how? You Remember that missions pledge that you paid every month? A missionary came and spread the gospel. I'm here because of you. See, why do you think, hear me. Why do you think God leaves us here on earth after we become Christians? (laughs) Can can we just think practically here for a minute? If it was just about going to heaven, guess what? What did you call those things on Star Trek? Beam me up, Scotty. (laughs) I'm a believer now. Beam me up, Jesus. No. You know why he leaves us here? We could be in heaven right now. We can pray in heaven, we can sing in heaven, we can preach in heaven, we can worship in heaven, we can have fun in heaven, we can eat in heaven, we can relax in heaven, we can get our chill on in heaven. But you know why he left us here? Because there's one thing that we can't do in heaven. Tell lost people about Jesus. Ain't no lost people up there. He leaves us here so we can tell the lost about him. Amen? He leaves us on the earth to tell other people about him. We are his agents. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. My spiritual family is connected together through Jesus. We're connected together, yet diverse, and we are focused on our purpose. I want us all to stand right now. Praise team musicians, come on up. Jesus called people from different backgrounds to be his disciples. And he ministered to the multitudes regardless of who they were. You know what? The Lord wants to include everyone in his kingdom. Doesn't matter right now if they're a sinner, a skeptic, seeker. He wants all of us. He wants all of them. His power to make a new creation of anyone is why we, his body, can be so great and inclusive. Paul said this in Galatians 6, 17, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So church, I've got to ask you this question. Are we together enough that when people see us, they can see the marks of Jesus in our lives? Can they see the marks of Jesus in our lives? Separated and sanctified. Powerful. And full of His presence The church ought to make a difference In this world Amen And as long as we keep Jesus as the head of this body We're going to be all right. And I want to challenge you To make the rest of your life The best of your life Whether you have 5 years Or 50 years left I want to challenge you to give it Give it to the greater purpose of God Because there's no greater family than the family of God. There's no greater work than the work of the kingdom. I want to challenge you to become an active together part of the spiritual family if you know the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord, I want to encourage you to join the family. The family of God. Amen. I'm going to open this altar right now and I want to invite you to step out from where you are. Step out from where you are and come down. And we want to make a fresh commitment. This is our first Sunday back after the summer. I want, come on, body of Christ, just step out from where you are. If you're not a Christian, I invite you to repent of your sins. I invite you to be baptized. I invite you to be empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit. But believers, I want to challenge you right now. And I'm not, don't raise your hand. But if you have never personally led anybody to the Lord, I want you to receive this challenge today and say, God, I want you to help me to reach somebody. Remember what I said. It's it's not your job to do the harvesting. It's just our job to plant the seed and to water the seed. And it could be as simple as just inviting somebody to church. Because let me promise you this, if you'll invite your friends, we'll do our very best to make them feel comfortable and let them enjoy the presence of God with all of us. But guess what? We can't get them here. You know, you'll see. You'll see some churches will put on their sign, "Come and grow with us." That's not. That's not the mission of the Bible. It's not come and grow with us. The mission is for us to go into all the world. Amen. We're to go and bring them in. So I want you to join with me right now, and we're going to pray together, Father. I want to say thank you, first of all, that I'm part of the family. Thank you, God, that I was born into the family of God. I want to also say thank you, God, that I chose to be a part of the Life Church family. Not only was I born into the body of Christ, but God, you've given me a beautiful body of believers to call my church family. And right now, God, I just ask you to touch my mind, touch my heart. God, help me, Lord, to recognize that it's not just about me and my family, but God, there's people out there that need to know you. There's people out there that want to know you. There's people out there that are unhappy. They don't even know what they're searching for, God, but I know what the answer is. It's you. I want you to help me, God, over these next weeks and months to never lose sight of my calling and my purpose, and that is to reach other people, to bring them into the family of God. And Lord, I just pray right now, I pray that you would open doors. I pray, God, that you would prepare people. You would bring them into the paths of every person in this altar, God. Even this week, God, I pray that someone would cross the path of every one of these believers and help us, God, to invite people and to bring them in. In Jesus' name, we pray. Let's sing. Go ahead and sing. Let's pray in this altar. Amen. close our service. Father, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the body of Christ, the people in this body that have helped me to grow and to become more like you. And God, I thank you, God, for the church family that you've given to us. But Lord, I just pray, God, that we would never lose sight of the purpose to reach those that are lost, those that are dying, those that are struggling without you, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just awaken in us a burden for the lost. Awaken in us, God, a realization of the loss that are in the fields. Help us to go and work. Help us to bring people under our body. And God, right now, I pray that next Sunday, that there will be many, many guests here. Many, many people that have disconnected from the church or disconnected from you. God, that they would come and that they would be, they would come to know you again. God, that they would feel the warmth and the love of the body of Christ. Lead us this week as we invite people to the house of God. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said
1: amen. Why don't you hug somebody and tell them, say, I'm glad you're in the family. Amen. You're dismissed.